This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. I'm back. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you are keeping well. Um, Apologies, there wasn't a podcast the last couple of weeks. I was on a, a planned vacation for Easter. I thought I'd leave you alone on Easter Saturday and Easter Sunday and let you celebrate with your family and friends. And then Irish weather being what it is, and it's um, if you've been listening to this show for the last couple of months, you've probably witnessed at different times my voice sounding a bit different and me sounding a bit different. Uh, Irish weather has uh, really kicked my butt this, this year, and it always does. Um, I'm not a type of creature to live in the 20s and the 30s. Um, it's just another reason I need to get to, to Dallas, Texas soon. I need some Dallas heat. So what a couple of weeks it's been. Um, I've been very quiet the last couple of weeks um, with everyone. Um, I, ha- I didn't do a lot on social media. And there was a reason for that. One was because I had man flu. Um, I had a very bad chest infection. I couldn't speak. Um, and I was sneezing and coughing. And it wasn't a pretty sight. Um, the only things that were near me were a box of Kleenex and a load of bunched up, rolled up, snotty tissues. So to get involved in a political conversation or to tweet wasn't, how should we say, wasn't at the top of my list. However, I used it as an opportunity. One, because my voice went, I used this. I always look at it as a, a way uh, God is telling me to shut up. Um, but also, when I was, wasn't too good, I actually used it as an opportunity to do a lot of research. Um, research on different issues. Um, got some exciting shows coming up for you. But also, to do research on people. Um, on friends and family of mine who have different positions in the campaign and rather than you know we all have it you go into social media onto facebook or twitter and you see something you know donald trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread or ted cruz is the only conservative in the race and of course you'll see something and then you'll engage and then you whether it's friendly or not it ends up in a debate and you're coming from your point of view and they're coming from their point of view and it's more often than not unless there are people out there who are more successful at what they do than I am. It doesn't really get you anywhere. So one of the things I tried to do was to actually just watch people debate and watch both sides and just look at how what people are actually saying. Um, and I have a few theories which I want to share with you um, over this show and the next show. But I kind of want to do a recap because I want to be honest from... One of the things I try and do is I give you my honest opinion. Um, and I don't know whether that has any credence or people like it, but I do really view myself as an outsider because no matter how much I get attacked for, I really don't have a horse in this race. I'm not on a campaign going, I want this person to be president and I want this person to be the vice president. And I want this person to be the, the speaker of the house. I will judge them and say, which is the less, the least worst. Um, if you listen to the show, you know I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Um, while I haven't spoken about him much, it's pretty obvious if you follow me on social media or you have any inkling of who I am, 
I'm not a fan of Bernie Sanders. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I'm not a fan of John Kasich. Um, I have issues with Ted Cruz. I have one big issue with Ted Cruz, um, which we spoke about maybe two months ago. Um, and he's still on that issue, which I think is a very dangerous issue. Um, he's making the Constitution up for election. I've got huge, huge problems with that. And I think it's setting a very bad precedent um, for both conservatives, but also the Supreme Court. And it's basically making you more and more democracy. And I reject that at each and every opportunity. So what's happened in the last two weeks? What has happened since the last time we spoke? Well, first off, it's a symbol of this election. I think when people write history, they're going to write history about this election, and they're going to say two things that are going to be the most prevalent. The first thing they're going to say about this election is, it has broken all the barriers. If you want to give Donald Trump any credit, you can give him this credit. He has totally changed politics in America for permanently. Because the old traditional races, like I would ask you just to think back, ever what age you are, whether you're 16 to, to 60, just think back. All the primary presidential elections that you have covered. How many races did you know at the start of April were still competitive? Most times in the elections I've covered and the elections I have read, by now, yeah, there might be a person in the race contending for them, but they're a long way away and a long way behind. It's more like a coronation process. It's like, look, we know so-and-so is going to be the candidate. Sure, there's a second and maybe even a third candidate, but they're like four or five, six hundred delegates behind. They haven't got a hope. It's this person on the way. You can't say that about this election. On either side, I know people are wanting to, in the media, going, well, it's all Hillary Clinton's. I actually don't think so. I think if you take away the, uh, the superdelegates, it's at like 1,200 to a 1,000 race. And those superdelegates are not set in stone. Like Hillary Clinton has, I think, 479 of them. They can change. I think things might change because she is so unpopular. I, I'm not ruling it out that she's, I'm not taking it for granted that she's the Democratic nominee. Maybe I'm just wrong or spitballing or been hopeful or whatever it is. I don't know. But I wouldn't take it for granted. On the Republican side, you have a front runner who has got all this free advertising and yet hasn't broken 50% of the vote in any state. So this race is a lot closer. And then this week, um, Wisconsin happened. It's one state. Ted Cruz won. I think this race, both of these races are going to have some more twists and turns. How they end up, I don't know. The second thing that's going to be written about this race, and this will be from more people who want to actually care about their country and care about issues. This race has had so much media attention, has had so much media coverage. And what issues have been discussed? What principles? have been put forth. What great ideas. You know, to quote Donald Trump, let's make America great again. Okay, how do you do that? How do you do that? What makes it what made America great in the first place? That's if I could ask Donald Trump one question, and I only had one question, 
I would ask him and I'd say, I'd get him to nail down and go, you say, let's make America great again. Okay, that's on that's a statement based on the definition that you think America was great at one point in time. What point in time do you want to get you get America back to? What policies do you want to get America back to? What time frame? Do you want to get back to 1776, 1791, 1812, 1860, 1864, 1920, 1930? What policies, what principles do you want to get back to that you think will make America great again? We haven't had that. So two weeks, what are the stories I'm seeing? Well, let's start with the front runner. Trump on, Donna, on John Kasich. He's stealing my votes. He should get out. I'm sorry. I have a huge problem with this, and I don't care who says this, whether it's Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, or anybody else. I have a huge problem when people are arrogant, self-righteous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with the adjectives right there. The thought that someone who is voting for John Kasich, I don't know who you are, if you're voting for John Kasich. I, I, I've spoken to many people online. I've spoken to Bernie Sanders, Sanders supporters. I've spoken to Hillary Clinton. I don't speak to many John Kasich fans. I'd love to. But the fact if you're voting for John Kasich, the arrogance of any candidate to stand there and go, if John Kasich wasn't in the race, you'd go for me, and you're stealing my vote. Well, guess what? If they're voting for someone else, they're not your votes. Then you had Trump on Wisconsin. He wasn't happy. He lost. It seems now that if you dare vote against this man or he doesn't win a state, it's some type of conspiracy. Everyone's out to get me. But this isn't, none of this really troubles me. It annoys me. What I will say troubles me is what Donald Trump said and Chris Matthews a week ago. I am unashamedly pro-life. I have been involved in the pro-life movement at different times in Ireland. I've spoken out at different opportunities. Or life I believe I always say this to people I said and this I say this in Ireland as well I said we can have an argument and a discussion and a disagreement and a heated debate over many different issues whether socialism is good or bad whether capitalism is good or bad you know the size of government the scope of government the regulations you know what size car the EPA we can have all these discussions if you don't have a respect for life, none of them matter. They really don't. Because if you don't have a respect for life, who the hell cares about the EPA? Who the hell cares about regulations on business? Who cares about a debate between capitalism and socialism? If you don't have a respect for life, what do you have? His comments have probably put the pro-life movement back. 10, 15 years, maybe more. His comments 
are a disgrace. And yet I'm seeing some of my friends who are Trump supporters defend them. Well, he misspoke. No, he didn't. He clearly, if you watch the video, and I'll link to it on my site, freedomsdisciple.com, when I post this show, you can clearly see he's thinking. He's thinking it out in his head. Let's forget the side that says, this guy is so smart and so cool and so just it that he should know this issue. If you're pro-life, you don't need to think about that. I have had many debates publicly and privately with people who are good people, but who don't get involved in the political process or worry about the political consequences, but do believe in abortion in certain cases. They're good people. They believe in incest. And I've sat across the room from these people and had very good, honest, frank discussions. We don't see eye to eye. But they believe in abortion on certain limited occasions. Incest being one of them. Rape being another. Now, I'm not going to condemn them. I'll never agree with them. But I'm not going to condemn them to hell. That's God's job. But I don't, I don't, I've never been, you have to agree with me. I'm not here to convert you and I'm not there to convert them. But now that Donald Trump has said what he has, the next time I go front and front with people, I know what I'm going to get hit with. I'm going to get hit with, well, you know, you know, I believe in abortion for rape and incest. I believe it had been a freely available option for that woman to choose who went through that horrific act. But I know you want to, if she gets her abortion legally or illegally, you want to punish her, you want to put her in jail. No. No, I really don't. I want to love that person. We all fall. I would love to live in a society that actually respected life. I would love to live in a society where when horrific acts like that happen, we all came together and showed that person so much love, so much decency, so much compassion, so much support, that abortion is the last thing on her mind. I would love to live in a community where all different faiths would come together and pray for that person, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or Muslim or Jewish, where we could all have a respect for life, or an atheist, where we could all have a respect for life and say, I don't care what you personally believe, but let's just help you and support you. That abortion never even comes up. That you know you have a circle of friends and family and community and churches willing to help and support you. That is the type of society I want to live in. Not the type of society that says, oh, you and an abortion go to jail. Or some type of punishment, whatever other punishment. What other issues have we got? Oh, yes. The big story for the last two weeks. Did you hear, America? There are claims. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is rampant. Ted Cruz cannot look at a woman without her falling for his gravitas, his inspiring Latin flair. And having affairs with them. I find this, I'm going to be honest, 
there's a part of me that thinks this story is, it's sad, it's wrong. But there's a part of this story that I find somewhat amusing. And just bear with me for a second. I have met many, many people publicly or famously and not so famous and, and, and not. And as someone who has a dreadful track record with women, um, I've never, I, I'm not the type of person, shall we say, has ever been successful with the ladies. And I know people who are. I've seen people who just have the gift of the gab, who say the right thing at the right time. And women just love it. I have met people who just have the looks, the charm, the personality, different versions of it, and just women just go for it. And Ted Cruz is not one of them. I met him briefly many years ago. We both spoke at the, at the Abolish the IRS rally. Um, in DC, I think it was like four years ago, three years ago. It was the Tea Party one. He doesn't strike me as someone who, how should we say this in the nicest possible way, it could charm a woman. And I'm not trying to demean Ted Cruz in any way, but I, I like Ted. I've got issues with him. I spoke about him a few minutes ago. But one of the things that really annoys me about Ted Cruz is the way he speaks, his cadence. It's it's kind of hard to listen to him. I, I can't imagine him, I don't know, I, I can't imagine that cadence and the way he talks and about the Constitution and the issues he's passionate about. I can't imagine that playing very well with many women. No, sure, maybe it does. I don't know. I'm, I've never had the inside scoop on what makes you successful with women. I never will. But I don't see it happening. That's the funny side to it. Here's the sad side to it. Again, many of my friends are, I'm going to politely say, I think are going through troubles and they're just so all in on politics. I've had some friends go, I can't wait till the truth about Ted Cruz is out and his womanizing ways. It will damage his campaign, it will destroy his campaign, and it will show you all. And the person was saying, you're all about the Ted Cruz supporters, the type of person he really is. I watched some of these conversations go down. And it upset me because if you've listened to the show over the last three, four weeks, three, four shows, I've tried to really focus in on the human, the human element, the humanity. And no one ever spoke about the devastating impact it would have on Heidi. No one ever spoke about the impact it would have on his kids, on his family. No one ever said, God, poor Heidi. You know, if it was true, poor Heidi. You know, she's married to such a poor, horrible man. Imagine those poor kids having to grow up with a father like that. None of that. It was all, I can't wait till you find out the truth. And his campaign is ruined. The rest of this show, I want to speak to you about a few issues. But I want to speak to you about what your cornerstone is. And I'll explain more about that when I come back after this quick break. I hope you'll stick with me, America. I'll be right back. 
Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's gotta be a better way. There is real estate agents. I trust.com. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on uh, Twitter at Freedom Disciple. Um, hit me up. I love talking to you and engaging you, and I'll always respond. Um, whether you insult me, um, whether you give me a nice compliment, which I always appreciate, thank you, or whether you have some thoughts on the show where you think I was wrong or where you think I didn't quite nail it. As always, this is um, very much your show, and I, I work hard at it. If there's topics you want me to cover, um, get in touch. Um, I have some I have some exp- exciting shows for you coming up um, on immigration. Um, the Irish elections have happened, uh, and I think there are actually some interesting things as I've been doing the research for the Irish elections for the show. I actually think there's some things the Americans can learn about it. Um, regards party systems but that's for another day today i want to spend the rest of the show asking you to have a journey of self-exploratory find out who you really are one of the things that i i'm trying to do i'm not a political person i used to be i used to be very much for some people, I'd be the person you'd go to go, hey, um, South Carolina, is there any up-and-coming senator or congressman who you think is really good and you know should be voted for in a primary against you know the establishment Republican and who has a bright future or you know who's good on policy or and I could tell you I could talk to you about these are all old school names I could talk to you about Jim DeMintz all day long and people around him and I'm not there anymore because. I've, I've said this before, there are no politi- political solutions to, to America's crisis right now. I believe that. And today I'm going to kind of delve down why I think that. When you are building anything from a pure physics point of view, your cornerstone is so important. Because it has to take so much of the the weight and the force and the pressure 
So it needs to be strong. Today I would ask you to, this weekend or whenever you listen to this show, take five minutes out and be honest with yourself. And ask, what is your cornerstone? Now, it's going to be different for everyone. It's not going to be, well, this, this is the right cornerstone. And if you're a good person, this is what your cornerstone should be. It'll be different for each of us. But I would ask you to, to go into a quiet room where there's no noise, no people distracting you. And just be honest with yourself and say, what's my cornerstone? The reason I'm asking this question is because I'm going to share you with you my cornerstones. And hopefully in the light that when you hear my cornerstones, which I'm sure some of you will share, some of you may not, you'll get to see why politics plays such a little role in my life. What are types of cornerstones? Well, for some people, a cornerstone might be their family. That is the biggest, most important issue of the day. Whether it's your partner, your wife, your husband, whether it's your kids, whether it's your grandkids. Because of the world we live in now and we're living longer, it might be your great-grandkids. You're worried about... This is one I hear quite a lot from people. They go, I'm so much worried. I lived in America. These are from people who are probably 45 plus. I lived in America when it was great. I, I worry about the future for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. What America are they going to live in? In some ways, that can be a cornerstone. If that is your biggest thing, your family. I know many people who are great family people, who are always with their family, whether it be their husbands or their wives or their kids or their cousins or their aunts or their uncles. They're always in around the family. They're always there. And it's their cornerstone. It makes them who they are. I see other people with their cornerstone is, is very much their church. And I don't mean their, their religion or, well, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Protestant. No, I mean their church. Their, this is my church, St. Michael's or St. Canis's or St. John's or whatever it is. This is my church and I'm all in it. And I'm going to make help my, my church the best church. It is the most important to me. That's their cornerstone. That the, pretty much defines who they are as a person. What are my cornerstones? Well, for me, because of who I am and because of the road I've traveled, my cornerstone is... First, many things. One, the scriptures, always way ahead of everything else. Um, everything I believe has some basis or grounding in the scriptures. Everything I am today and everything I fight for and speak out and, and I'm very passionate about has some root in scriptures somewhere. You know, whether it's freedom not wanting to live under a king about the individual being more humane to each other be more loving the second thing I am grounded in because 
and I'm going to lump these two together and it might offend some people, but American history and the Constitution. The reason I lump the two of them together is because for me as an outsider, it's impossible to separate them because I, I love your history. If I had a magic wand and I had all powerful, I could do anything. There was no limits to my power. And I would love to create a medicine in a bottle that I could just give out to people and go, if you drink this, you will be inspired by American history. You will know it, you will love it, and you will be inspired by it, and you will want to act. Your history inspires me so much. And as I'm thinking about future shows, it's something I want to share with you. I want to delve deep into your history and share with you some of the stories that inspire me. And I don't mean like a two-minute story or three-minute story, but really delve into it. Because what makes America different to, to selling, selling freedom to America to the rest of the world is use your track record. Your track record speaks volumes. Everything you have overcome. I sell freedom or talk about freedom to an Irish person or a European person or Australian person. They don't have any counter-reference. They haven't experienced it. Your people have. Your people have overcome so many obstacles. Your constitution. I'm going to say something that people today don't like. The constitution is divinely inspired. There are so many scripture references in it. It was so radical at the time. It was an incredible document. And I, I include all three documents. The, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. They are the trifecta. They are incredible. They ground me. And I reread them, and when I need inspiration, I go reread them, and it reinforces everything I believe. I only wish for people who don't share that love, they would just sit down and read the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, or even forget the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and go, what do you disagree with there? Read it out loud and go, actually, I disagree with that. What can you disagree with? These are some of my cornerstones. They define who I am. Is family important to me? Sure. Is my friends important to me? Sure. But they're not the number one things in my life. My number one things are helping others. I'm not the type of person who sees that many people. I'm not an out, out, outgoing person. I'm very much an introvert. I serve in my own ways. But these are what makes me me. What makes you, you, you? What's your cornerstone? What is at the core of your beliefs? The reason I'm sharing this with you today, there is a bigger reason which I'll get to in, as the show progresses. But when you break that down, I've spoken about my cornerstone being scriptures, your history and the constitution. There are a few others. I've spoken about some of the things I've witnessed with people, involvement in their family, worried about future generations, their church. 
These are all plausible reasons and cornerstones. How many people do you truly know their cornerstone is they wake up and they spend every dying minute and it's such an integral part of their life, it's a cornerstone that says, I just want to get someone elected. I just want to get so-and-so into that house or into the Senate or into the White House and that is all my life is about. Are there some people like that? Yeah, I'm sure there are. They're usually the candidates themselves or the candidates' wives or the candidates' mother and father or brother and sister or whatever who it is. But they're usually directly, very directly linked to the candidate they're talking about. How many people do you know that are have no vested interest? Let's just take the presidents. How many people today do you think their cornerstone is, I just have to get Ted Cruz elected? I just have to get Donald Trump elected? I just have to get Bernie Sanders elected? Who don't know him, never met him, or maybe met him at a campaign rally, and don't care. That's all they want. Now do you think that's healthy? I'm going to continue on this. I'm going to take a quick break, and during the break, think about it. What is your cornerstone? What makes you who you are? Then I'm going to come back after this quick break, and I'm going to talk to you about what you think America's cornerstone are. What's, what makes America great? To steal Donald Trump's catchphrase. What's America's cornerstone? I'll be right back, America. Stick with me. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. And the Islamic State is just another version, another iteration of the Wahhabism that is really the official state religion of Saudi Arabia, which is the birthplace of Islam and the custodian of the two holy cities. Which one is the Islamic State? Iraq and Syria or Saudi Arabia? It's the real question, isn't it? Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Just in case you're hearing a small, weird noise in the background, um, I hope you haven't. I've tried to edit it out as I'm recording the show, but um, as luck would have it, I'm competing against a neighbor down the road having, um, I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to knock down a wall and try and build another one. I don't know what they're trying to do, to be honest, but there's a, a digger and a jackhammer and loads of other equipment, saws. So I've tried to edit it out as much as I can. If you hear it, I hope you don't, but if you do, I apologize. I've tried to edit out as much as I can. On to continuing on what we were speaking about, cornerstones. What makes What is America's cornerstone? What makes America great? This is something I would encourage every American to think about because I think it's lost on many people. 
especially today, we don't... There's not enough dialogue, in my opinion, on principles and on issues. Anytime you talk about an issue like tax or regulations or even abortion, it's automatically made political. It's, well, this party's better than that party, and you know, I'm for Donald Trump, and he has this opinion, and I'm for Hillary Clinton, and he, she's got this opinion, and it's... It's tug of war, basically. For me, these issues don't involve political parties, don't involve people who are politicians. They should be based on principles. What principles do we believe in? And the arguments for and against, and even if the left or other sides want to make it political, we shouldn't bow down to that, and we should rise above it and stay out of it and say these are the principles we believe in where am I wrong let them make the case so what makes what is America's cornerstone there are many and I'm going to talk to you about a few today you see there was a reason I talked about Donald Trump at the start about America, America, Grace and the question I would love to ask him America I would ask you to close your eyes and I would ask you to go back in your little time machine, get into your DeLorean, get the flux capacitor all warmed up and I want you to type in the following date into your time machine. July 1st, 1776. The declaration hasn't happened. You haven't declared your independence from Britain. It hasn't started yet. That great bang of the America declaring you're independent hasn't happened yet. How do you think life was back then? And by the way, if you don't want to go to July 1st, 1776, go to any date before that. 1500s, 1600s, go back to the time of Christ for all I care. Because that's the thing. The following criteria I'm going to ask you to think about are pretty much the same from the time of Christ all the way to 1776. What were property rights like prior to July 1st, 1776? What were the what was the view of the people? You know, the, the, the kings and queens who are up high and, you know, so prim and proper and I'm so much better than you. I, I'm a king. I'm noble. Kiss my ring. How did they look about around on people? Did they believe in the individual or were they just like, no, you belong to, you know, that peasant class or you belong to the collective? Or did you celebrate the individual? Did they have property rights? Was there, I don't know, America wasn't formed yet, so there wasn't the American dream, but was there, was there a dream that was talked about? Was there a dream where, I don't know, a rags-to-riches story happened on a semi-regular basis? Was there many stories around that said, well, this person came from abject poverty. They had everything going against them. 
and they just made it. I would ask you to think about the, the creations, the innovation of the day. You know, why is it that it was America been formed and within years or hundreds of years there were cars, there were planes, there were submarines, there was the internet, there was phones, there was electricity. Go back and think of that time from Christ all the way to July 1st, 1776. And think of the innovation. What advancements did they make? What was so great that they thought, hmm, they changed the world forever? What makes America great? And these are my opinions. You might have a different opinion. For me, the first thing is, is the, tri the trifecta of documents. Your Declaration of Independence, your Constitution, and your Bill of Rights. And here's why. Everything, in my opinion, stems from them. Because your cornerstones are the individual. Individual. Your cornerstone is God-given inalienable rights. I can never say that word. It's so funny. But you know what I'm trying to say. Your cornerstone was acknowledging God. Your cornerstone was saying that men have certain rights and among those are life. It's funny, your founders were so spot on. Life is the first issue they spoke about. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Or if you prefer the older version, which so few people know about today, life, liberty, and property. That is America's cornerstone. America's cornerstone is the Bill of Rights. The separation of church and state, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom from association, the right to petition your government, the freedom of the press, the right to bear arms and the self-defense, the right to be secure in your persons and your privacy, the right not to incriminate yourself, the right not to be spied upon, the right not to have people um, military uh, stationed in your home. These are all rights. They didn't exist prior to July 2nd, 1776. These are your cornerstones. We can talk all day long about the great men and women who played such critical roles in your family, in your nation, and what made you become America the superpower. Whether it's all the people who went the expansion out west, the thousands upon thousands of heroes who died for your founding, who fought in 1812, all the countless scientists 
who were incredible at what they did and researched and worked hard and sacrificed to send the man to the moon. We can talk about the greatest generation and all their sacrifice and all their heroism as they overcome Nazism in World War II. We can talk about all those great individuals all day long. But without the cornerstone in America, I don't think any of those are possible. And my proof is no other nation had that cornerstone. And look at what they've achieved. And now look at what you've achieved. I'm only sharing my opinion. I'm not saying this is what you have to believe. But over this weekend, I would ask you, I would beg you, what is your cornerstone? In your own life. And then ask yourself. Where does politics rank? And when I say politics. I don't mean principles. Or talking about discussions. I mean actually getting people elected. And having a vested interest there. Where does politics rank in your list? And then. If you have some time. What is America's cornerstone? What truly makes America great? I always say this, and in many ways I'm stealing a saying from a great non-American, Alexis de Tocqueville. America is good because your people, sorry, America is great because your people are good. Therein lies America's cornerstone. It's about your people. The first three words of your constitution are we the people. Your founders shared that vision that said, America wants to go on a different path. We don't want to be a country that says, well, we're defined of how good or bad we are by our king, by the monarchy, by our government, by our prime minister, by our dictator. Now, your founders said the first three words, we the people. What makes America exceptional is your people. You've heard me spoke about this. I spoke about this earlier in the year when I was in New York. Your people have a history of knowing what makes America exceptional. Emma Lazarus on the Statue of Liberty. We all know about the Statue of Liberty. That beautiful lady with her hand held out. That beacon of light for the rest of the world. Emma Lazarus, give me your tired, your weak, and your huddled masses. Because they knew what I know and what so many of you know. That if you give an individual opportunity and you don't have a glass ceiling and you don't have people and ropes around that person pulling them back, and restricting them and obstacles in their way. If you just give someone opportunity, yeah, they might fail, but they also might succeed. And so many Americans in so many different ways have succeeded. Just look at the businesses around you. Look at how much 
Technology has changed the world. That's just one industry, technology. Look at now. Let me give you an example. And this will be relevant to some and this won't be relevant to others. I'm a huge sports fan. I don't get too much time to watch it. I'd love to sit back and watch more of it. But baseball season is back. For those who are baseball fans, let me give you an example of how much things have changed. 20, 30, 40 years ago, you had a pitcher who had Tommy, Tommy John surgery. There was a good chance if you had to have Tommy John surgery back when it was first started. It's drilling two holes in your elbow, by the way. Your career was pretty much done. If you came back, you were the exception to the rule. And there's a reason I'm bringing this example. I'm a New York Yankees fan. There are New York Yankees fans I know, and I see their comments all the time. They have a pitcher, their ace, Masahiro Tanaka, who's injured, but is still pitching. His arm and elbow will blow out at any moment. Medication and med medicine and hospitals and medical care has advanced so much in such a short period of time. There are actually people arguing that we shouldn't wait for his arm to blow out. We should just give him the Tommy John surgery now. That is how far medicine has come in 40 years. Now look at technology. Seven years ago, I couldn't do this show. Seven years ago. Seven, eight years ago, I couldn't listen to Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, the people who inspire me, whatever who your podcasts are. That is how far technology has gone in seven, eight years. And we're talking a long time. We're talking back when George Bush was in office, the last president. Now think of how much cars are changing. There's new articles, and I love reading these articles. I, I'll be honest, when it gets into real specifics, I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. But I'm reading all these articles, which are really cool. You know, all these driverless cars and the Tesla, the new Teslas come out. I love reading about them. I understand about 20% of it. That's, that's cars. What made that possible? Dreams, innovation, but also the Constitution, your Bill of Rights, and your Declaration of Independence. That freedom to go for your dreams. That place where you have that opportunity. Now, it might be on life support, and there are many issues. But that culture that America has, that is what makes you unique. I could talk to you about this all day long, but I would like you to, to think of what makes America exceptional and what your cornerstone is. I've spoken now for 16 minutes. Is it funny to you, listening to this 16 minutes, if you listen to all of us, how I haven't mentioned politics once? How I haven't mentioned we need to get a certain person in the White House or we need to get, well, we only have one half or one third. We need the Senate. Is it funny to you? Does politics seem out of place in everything I've talked about for the last 16, 17 minutes? Or were you sitting there all along going, yeah, just get to the politics part. Just talk to me about who's president. These 
this is something I would really ask you to think about. I got to take one more quick break, America. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. And now, best and brightest, do we approach the really exciting and, yes, cynical portion of the Republican primary, the part where the party thumbs its nose to a great or lesser degree at the voters and says, here are the rules. Jay Severin, weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has given you some uh, food for thought and some things to think about over the weekend. I want to say something before I get to the last topic of the day, and it's something I don't say anywhere near near enough, but thank you. Um, Thank you to everyone who listens to Thank you to everyone who engages with me, and thank you to everyone who shares with the show with their friends and their family. I've, if you followed me on social media on Facebook and Twitter, and you've seen any of the stuff I've posted recently, you'll have seen the last couple of weeks. There have been certain issues in my life, um, and one of the things that gives me the most joy and the thing I enjoy the most is speaking to you and having this microphone, having this platform. I'll always be thankful to to Glenn, to Dom, to Jonathan, and to you for listening. Um, it's, it's humbling and it's incredible, and I only wish we had more time together to talk through the issues. Um, I have, when I do my show prep, I have all these pages of notes and things I want to talk about this, and I want to talk about that, and... Because I'm always, I'm always building. I never stop working on the show, and I'm always trying to make it better. And and then when I get to the show, it's like we can't talk about that, can't talk about it on time, and that's more important. And I wish we'd more time, but maybe one day. So just thank you for all your support, and you, your your people are incredible. And each and every one of you who engage me, thank you so much. I I really do enjoy, it. even those who don't agree with me and insult me. Thanks for taking the time. I do appreciate it. I want to finish up today's show by... I feel compelled to address something. And... People are going to take this the wrong way. People will think I've been asked to say this. Or people will um, think that I've been prompted to say what I'm about to say. I haven't. This might shock some of you, but Glenn Beck has way, 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 way more important things to be doing than talking to me and telling me what to say on my show. What I say to you is what I believe. It's what's in my heart. And it will always be that way. No one will tell me what's to be on this show or what's not to be on this show. And believe me, I've worked with enough organizations that do monitor and censor what you say. 
Um, I've been connected to organizations with people who have said, you know, you want to tone down on the God stuff, Jim. Not the place. When I came on, that was one of my first questions. Is there a limit to what I can say or is there stuff I can't say? No, you just say what you want, be authentic, be real. I've always been that and I always will be. Who do I want to address in the last segment? I want to address Sarah Palin. Now, I'm not here to defend Glenn Beck. He is my boss. Uh, he is my friend and I consider my, him my brother in Christ. I have been, I'm very fortunate that I've got to spend quality time one-on-one -on -one with Glenn. So I know him and I know his heart. But this isn't about Glenn or his heart. This is Sarah Palin. If you've been a conservative for eight, ten years, you will have watched her career very closely. I can still picture and tell you exactly where I was, when I was, and what I was doing when she was announced as VP under John McCain. And she was incredibly exciting. And I witnessed the horrific attacks on her character, on her family, on the way she talks, on the way she looks. Not only did I witness it, I remember the scandals of, oh my God, do you see all the designer dresses the McCain campaign are buying her and all those designer clothes? I remember all those phony issues. I remember every single one. Sadly for her, for John McCain, he lost. And then I saw her get involved outside politics, but not her getting elected, but getting other people elected. I saw Sarah Pack. I saw her giving speeches. I saw her campaigning. I saw her fundraising for people like Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, Mike Lee. If you were an up-and-coming conservative, you wanted Sarah Palin to endorse you. Or at the very least, try and help you fundraise. Her name was that powerful. And fast forward to 2016. She's still been attacked. I saw her horrific article while I was off of some person I have never heard of and never really want to hear of ever again saying, well, she needs to be gang raped. That is the culture we live in. I think those comments are horrific. One of the things that I find frustrating with people is those people, especially on the conservative right, who have their words misinterpreted, have them spawn, twisted, and used against them to be attacked. They should know what it's like. And yet you have Sarah Palin sharing stuff about my boss that is twisted, is spun, and is just wrong. I wish we lived in a world where people who were attacked and maligned and unfairly so would not then turn around and unfairly attack other people. But that's a conversation for another day. The comments I want to address by Sarah Palin are her comments recently about Glenn Beck 
Ted Cruz, Mike Lee. He, she basically attacked them for going to the border and helping young kids who were caught up in the camps because they were illegal aliens. And apparently now, according to Sarah Palin, if you give a football to a kid of an illegal alien, you're encouraging to become an illegal alien. The reason I have spoken on this show the last couple of weeks about the humanizing of the individual, not about the politics, but of the principles. What type of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a person all about politics? Where it's all about political gain, it's all about winning, it's all about optics. Or do you want to say politics is important, principles are key, but I also am a human and I want to humanize the individual. The reason I feel compelled to address this is because I think it's so important for the American people to address today. I think it's so critical that each of you looks inside your heart and says, what do I want to be? Today's show, what's your cornerstone? What would you like your cornerstone to be? What would you like America's cornerstone to be? These are critical questions. The other reason I feel compelled to answer this is because I'll be brutally honest with you. From a pure selfish point of view, on my part, if there was ever any issue I, care, I could care about most and be most selfish about, it's illegal immigration. I'm waiting over 12 years to achieve my dream. I might never get there. I could burn up with hate and just say, I don't care about any other issues. I don't, yeah, the Constitution is great. I don't care. I just want to talk about illegal immigration. And I could talk to you about walls and bridges, talk to you about all these fancy plans, which I will in a couple of weeks. But I could say, I just want to, I hate every illegal from birth to whatever age they die to, or they live to 80, 90, 100, whatever age. These people have negatively impacted my life because they've made it harder for people like me to get there. That all been said, if I had the time and the money and the opportunity, I would have been with Glenn at the border, helping those kids. I would have been handing out soccer balls. Not because of politics, not because of optics, but because whether they know it or not, or whether they want to like it or not, they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to see the human. And when you saw the pictures of the border and the camps these kids were staying in, they were horrific. They were, I can't imagine what a kid of five, six, seven, eight, nine must have thought as they were staying in those camps. And if you could, for one moment, Give a kid some love 
and just say, here's a soccer ball or a teddy bear. Just show them that compassion for all of two minutes. I think is an incredible thing. Especially when you learn and you read the backstories of some of them, what they tried to escape from. I would have been there gladly with Glenn Beck, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Dana Lash, and all my other brothers and sisters from the blaze. And illegal immigration is one of the issues I care most about. From a selfish, if I was a really selfish person. Because we need to see the human. Just because you want to see the human and you want to be a good person and you want to act and do what you think is the Christian thing, which is helping someone, just giving someone love for two, three minutes or that day, doesn't all of a sudden mean you compromise your values and says, well, all of a sudden now you're weak in illegal immigration. No, you can be strong and steadfast on principle and yet be of a loving heart. But part of, bigger part of what Sarah said annoyed me was logic seems to have gone out the window. Either that or America is upside down so much that you've lost so much belief in what makes you great that people aren't going now to America for the American dream or to live a better life. No, they're going for a soccer ball, according to Sarah Palin. Because apparently giving a soccer ball and a teddy is going to encourage more and more kids to risk their lives, to cross those deserts, to risk thirst, to risk being with gangs and all other horrific people that brings them across the border. They're going to risk everything, all for a soccer ball. Please, let's use some logic and common sense today. But I don't want to attack her. I've got nothing against her. I've never met the lady. I'm sure she's lovely. I don't agree with what she's saying right now. But just because I firmly disagree with what she said about my boss, the way she's attacking him, and just because I firmly disagree with her assessment of the border and her wanting to say people like me and people who actually went to the border are weak, She's not my enemy. She's not my enemy. I want to finish today's show by asking you a question. One last question for people who believe in scriptures. Two weeks ago on this show, it was Easter. And I said to you, isn't it great how much we have advanced as a society? We've advanced beyond our wildest dreams. Yet 2,000 years ago, people chose Barabbas over Christ. How much have we grown? Have we, would more choose Christ today or would more choose Barabbas? Would we still say crucify him when given the opportunity? But today I'm going to ask you a simpler question. The famous parable the story of Jesus Christ eating with the tax collector and how people responded to him saying oh my god he's eating with the tax collector we've made so many advancements as a society we've grown as a people yet I ask you today 
if Jesus Christ came back among us and he ate with the tax collector or whatever the modern day version is, how would we respond? How would we respond? Have we grown so much or have we only grown in materialistic things? But when it comes to our person and our heart, we are still those coals judging the meaning people who are so enlightened that we only sit and help those who share our values. Think about this week, that week, this weekend. I have nothing against Sarah Palin. I hope she achieves, as my girl always says, the, her highest good. Whatever that is, I don't know. That's between her and God. I hope she becomes a better person. And I hope she gets back to what she believes. Not about winning, but what she truly believes. But I also hope that she stops these silly, petty insults. It's time to stop the insults. Let us meet on the battleground of ideas. Let us put forward ideas and principles and policies. And if we agree to disagree, that's okay. But let us not be a people that says, well, you have to agree with me or I'm going to demean and insult you and spread lies about you and spread phony articles about you just to attack you because you happen to see things a different way. These are the questions you have to ask yourself, America. It's great being back. I cannot wait till next week's show. Please engage with me on social media at Freedom Disciple. I love hearing from you and engaging with you. As always, please, on SoundCloud or iTunes, please like, comment, and share. Uh, I really appreciate your support. And as always, I close out this show by doing it as we always do, saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. Thank you for your service. You are the true heroes of society, and you inspire me every day. And to you, the great American people, as Alexis the Total said, America is great because Americans are good. Prove it. Prove that is still true. I know it is, but prove it to the rest of the world. I'll see you next week, America. God bless you. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.